On today's episode of GIST Healthcare Daily, we revisit my conversation from January with Steve Cagle, the CEO of Clearwater, a firm that provides cybersecurity, compliance, and privacy solutions focused on the healthcare industry. He joined me to talk about cybersecurity and healthcare in the wake of some high-profile ransomware attacks on health systems in 2022. It's Wednesday, March 8th. I'm Jay Carlisle-Larson, and this is GIST Healthcare Daily. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. In 2022, Common Spirit, the second largest hospital chain in the United States, was the target of a ransomware attack that hobbled operations at many of its 140 hospitals and exposed the private health information of more than 600,000 patients. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. The attack on Common Spirit was the largest ransomware attack in 2022, but it was hardly an isolated incident. One analysis found that up to 290 hospitals in the U.S. were impacted by a ransomware attack last year. And a new study published in JAMA found that between January 2016 and December 2021, 374 ransomware attacks on U.S. healthcare organizations exposed the private health information of nearly 42 million patients. So So what can hospital systems do to better protect themselves and their patients? On today's episode, I'm joined by Steve Cagle, the CEO of Clearwater, a firm that provides cybersecurity, compliance, and privacy solutions focused on the healthcare industry. He told me why hospitals in particular are attractive to these criminals. Healthcare data is the most valuable private information out there, protected information out there that you can get your hands on. Why is that? You can use it for a number of criminal-related activities, such as insurance fraud, identity theft. You can uh, potentially use it to uh, obtain prescription medication, which can be sold uh, illegally, of course. Um, So the healthcare data is very rich and uh, provides a, a, a really good source for these cyber criminals to sell that information on the black market or to use it themselves for, for criminal activities. In addition to that, uh, ransomware, of course, puts an organization in a, a very significant situation where they are not able to operate under uh, normal circumstances. And when you're in a healthcare setting and you're trying to deliver care to patients, 
that's a real patient safety risk. And if you're thinking about providing care to patients, it's not going to be the same level of quality that you would have when you have all of your systems available. So they know they can they can hold up these organizations and uh, and extract you know both the data as well as put them in a position where they want to pay the ransom. So we know that patient data is particularly lucrative for these criminals, but why are hospitals so vulnerable to these kinds of attacks? Healthcare has uh, unfortunately historically not invested enough in cybersecurity, and you know there's a lot of good work that's going on now to try to improve the maturity uh, overall. Some organizations are, are, are better than others, but overall as an industry, it still has a long way to go. And when you couple that with a very rapid deployment of new technology through the uh, COVID pandemic era, a lot of M&A, a lot of acquisitions that have happened, a lot of legacy systems that have not been updated and they can't afford to replace, it just you know really creates an easier target to go after. So looking at ransomware attacks as an example, these attacks can profoundly disrupt how hospitals operate. In a moment, I want to address the costs to patients, but first I want to talk about the financial cost to hospitals when these attacks happen. What do we know? How does this affect a health system's bottom line? Yeah, I mean, well, I think first, you know, the there is much more awareness today um, than there there was, let's say, you know, three years ago and more attention being paid by executives because they do understand the cost and it is a patient safety issue. We can, we can come back on that and talk about the financial cost first here for a moment, but um, there's been a lot, of, you know, a lot of different research that's been done. The Poneman Institute comes out with a report every year, cost of a breach. And if you go back a few years in that report to 2020, the average cost of a breach in healthcare was $7 million. Today, or at least not today, but the last report they came out with, it was $10 million. So, you know, very significant increase. The cost of a breach is becoming more and more expensive for a number of reasons. One reason is they're typically larger because, again, we have more data. The breach is lar- largely going to be bigger. Uh, also, we're, we're more reliant upon these systems and technologies now more than ever to actually uh, operate. So if our systems go down, and we have to turn our business away to competition. And there's been you know, numerous, without naming names, there's been numerous ransomware attacks where some of those organizations have, you know, they publicly disclose their financials and you can see in their notes and in their financials, the quarter had the ransomware attack, they've lost revenue. Um, insurance is not enough to cover. Usually, depending on the size of the breach, it could be, but in some cases it has not been enough to cover all those losses and uh, insurance is becoming much, much more expensive. It's almost than healthcare in the last two years. Insurance providers are being much more prescriptive in what they uh, expect, and they'll uh, you know accept in terms of uh, you know for you to get an insurance policy. And you know there's all kinds of carve outs and exclusions. So it can be an extremely expensive incident to have a, a breach itself, or a ransomware attack could be even worse, especially if it you know get also uh, results in a, in a breach on top of it. And what does this mean for patients? Yeah, well, you know, I think if we go back to the mission that we have in healthcare, uh, and for any organization that's supporting healthcare, the mission is first and foremost to provide safe, effective care for our patients. Right? We also want them to have a great experience. Uh, we want them to have that experience within our within our organization every time they come in consistently. So when we have a 
breach, it let's not even say it's a ransomware attack, it's a breach. I mean, that patient can be harmed from the breach that their, their information is uh, disclosed. You know, they can have their identity stolen. They can be, they can have uh, information that might be embarrassing to them or could affect their work, all kinds of things that are really sensitive to them. Uh, could be very, very powerful. If you think about security, privacy, security, we think about confidentiality, integrity, and availability, those three things. So that's confidentiality. There's integrity. If, if the information is altered in any way or, you know, is somehow presented in a way that's not accurate, that can have an effect on the patient. Think about allergies or medications that a patient might have. And then there's availability. And ransomware, of course, is is a really classic example of lack of availability. There's been numerous examples where ambulances had to be diverted from emergency rooms. How much time does it take now for that ambulance to get to the next hospital? And is there an impact on that patient? Um, patients that are that are receiving ongoing treatments that had to be canceled. Um, you know, patients that were not able to get their test results or get tests and therefore delayed a diagnosis as an impact on the patient. Um, and then there there was a, another positive study that came out in September that surveyed about 600 plus medical uh, or healthcare providers. And they asked about ransomware attacks and 89% of those organizations had been attacked and of the ones where there was a successful ransomware attack, 24% said that they saw an increase in mortality rates following the attack. And so there, there's clearly now, and I think we're gonna see more of that coming out where there's, you know, there's real data. Uh, it's definitely getting attention, you know, which is important, Senator Warner, uh, who's been very active in trying to, I, I think, uh, you know, identify some of the challenges, reasons for the challenges we have in healthcare cybersecurity. Uh, he, he did come out with a uh, state of policy paper in November, and uh, that policy paper is titled cyber, uh, Healthcare Cybersecurity is Patient Safety. It talks a lot about, uh, there's a lot of information in there, you know, that they've uh, compiled, but, um, you know, that this is a real challenge for for us as a nation. It's important for our critical infrastructure. It's important for our national security to have a a well functioning, very resilient healthcare uh, system. That you know, we know that when we go to the doctor or go to a hospital or whatever the case may be, that we can expect to get that consistent care. There are so many players in the healthcare industry. It's not simply a hospital, physicians and administrators. There are vendors, there are apps, there is other technology in the mix. So where are cyber criminals finding their way into these systems? What are their inroads? Yeah. So to your point, healthcare has become increasingly more complex in a number of ways. Um, you know, first again, we we've had in addition to all the merger and acquisitions, we've had uh, just an explosion in, in new technology, and, and that technology was adopted very rapidly. But healthcare is, is changing, as, as you know, and, and the good news is we're using this technology to make a lot of improvements in healthcare, right, to support value-based care or to have uh, you know better understanding of, of patient populations and to uh, reduce costs. And there's you know, a lot of really good benefits, um, getting treatment through virtual visits and following up with, with compliance with medicines, all kinds of great things. But what's happened is now this technology is creating a lot of information. That information is being shared with a lot of different third parties. And you have a much larger ecosystem of information going back and forth. Um, so how are they actually targeting that information? Well, some of those larger, more mature organizations have gotten better at creating uh, security, evaluating risk within their own organization. But you do have a lot of 
third-party risk as well that you know occurs. So what organizations really need to do is um, they need to have a very good risk management program in place. And this is an area that some organizations uh, often don't spend enough time and uh, enough effort in and take the time to really inventory all of the information systems that you have that have electronic protected health information or that are important for the clinical process or the processes that support the organization, but also looking at um, you know where that data is going. If it's going outside the organization, you have people working remotely. Um, those types of, of components, let's call them, to your information systems need to be evaluated as part of your risk analysis. Your vendors, your third parties, your supply chain, your partners that you work with, if you have affiliates or if you have uh, other organizations that you're partnered with that are providing um, you know, out, ambulatory care or follow-up, these are all parts of your system. So the way we do, we should be doing that is through doing a risk analysis on an ongoing basis because your your environment's changing very rapidly these days. So how can CEOs in particular play more of a role in helping hospital systems be better situated to mitigate these cyber attacks? From an executive's perspective, right, from that high-level perspective, how, how do you really go ahead and, and do that? It starts with a conversation with um, other executives, and, and typically what we see as a best practice is you have a governance council or a committee or whatever you want to call it, but a body within the organization that has a specific charter and mandate to manage risk, and specifically in this case, cybersecurity risk. That's not a uh, IT committee. It's not a you know a subset potentially. It could be you know part of what a audit compliance committee does, but it has to involve different business executives. It has to you have to get the buy-in in the organization, and at some point you know you have to make the call as to what level of risk we're willing to take. You have to get guidance to the people that are in the operating part of the business and how they're going to make decisions because you know you need to support them. You, you can't make all those decisions as to what tools we put in place and what do we do, but how do we go about managing risk? Where do we draw the line? Do we have that program in place where we're on an ongoing basis, we are evaluating all the different information systems? That means if we bring in a new technology, we're gonna do a, you know, as a and again, as an executive, we're gonna make a decision to acquire a new business or sign a new partnership agreement have we set the process in place that we have to do some sort of diligence? We have to do that risk assessment before we put that into place. From a governance perspective, are we getting information from our security team or information technology team about the risks in our organization and engaging in, in a conversation about what we're doing about them? So a lot of it just has to do with uh, you know being engaged. And then I think from a leadership perspective, any leader in an organization that has an opportunity to influence what the rest of that organization does, right? That's, you know, as a CEO, that's, that's CEO 101. You, you have to set that message. You have to lead by example. And the person who has the most power in any organization to influence behavior and security is going to be the CEO of that organization. And we've seen that with hospitals and health systems where the president or the CEO says something on a meeting that, you know, is supportive of the security department and uh, and is, is out there really making sure people understand this is a risk to our business. You know, if you get duped by an email that comes through and you give your credentials and that person starts moving laterally, that's a huge risk to everything doing from a mission perspective. So 
you know, people will listen and I think they'll be more aware, they'll be more engaged. So, you know, leadership has to be engaged. They have to support the organization uh, and then certainly um, lead, lead by example. That was Steve Cagle, CEO of Clearwater, a firm which provides cybersecurity, compliance, and privacy solutions for the healthcare industry. He joined me to talk about how hospital systems can better protect themselves from cyber attacks. This is Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jake Carlisle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the program. We'll be back with healthcare business and policy news updates tomorrow, as always, in 10 minutes or less. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at gisthealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The Gist Healthcare Daily Podcast is an independent production of Gist Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.